Today we find another example of Jesus talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Let us find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, the 1st through the 13th verses. Hear these words. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry came out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others came and said, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for it is us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day, nor the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the word you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we, as your people, have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Judgment Day. It's coming. Judgment Day. In fact, I think I've heard some people this week who think they are in charge of Judgment Day. Would any of you have, have any of you read anything maybe on your social media or in the newspaper that might give a hint that somebody thinks they're in charge? Somebody thinks they are the judge? Somebody thinks they know the way? And they know what's right, and we get a yes. Because we do. How many times, maybe I shouldn't ask this one, but I'm going to. How many times have you judged another human being? Can we count it on one hand? How about if we counted it on two hands, or do we need our toes also, or maybe the word infinity rests there somewhere? Because we, as people innate as we are, we always want to compare things, don't we? And I always want to compare myself and judge myself, am I better than the other person? Anybody else do that? You ever judge yourself against everybody else and see where you rate? I mean, why do we have a grading system, right? we got to have the A students to go along with those of us who struggled down on the D side, right? We, I mean, we've got to have sports because we, gotta, we have to know, we have to judge who's the best team and, of course, who's the worst team. 
And I can go on and on in our world. Our world is built around judgment. And we can get lost as spiritual people in judgment. We can be drawn completely away from our relationship with God if we fall into the trap of judgment. This parable says two things in it that really catch my attention. It actually says more than two things that catch my attention. One of them says, and Jesus introduces this parable like he has the past several, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And you say, okay, that's fine. That's heaven. After I pass from this earth, then I'll deal with that there. Judgment doesn't apply to me here on earth because it's all about heaven, right? We just prayed the prayer that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So what we want as people of God, what Jesus taught us to pray for, was that God would come and be ever-present in our lives. When we say that statement, we're saying, God, bring your, bring your kingdom into our lives. Let us follow the rules of your kingdom. Not the rules of another kingdom, not the rules of what the world says. We want to follow the rules of your kingdom. Did you hear the end of the parable? They knocked on the door. Sir, let us in. No, I don't know you. I do not know you. Who's the judge? Who's the judge in the parable? The bridegroom is. The bridegroom is the judge in the parable. Not, not the, the bridesmaids. We're going to talk about them in a minute. They don't judge one another. The judge in this parable is the bridegroom. So who's the judge in your life? Who do you rely on to judge others? Do you rely on yourself? Or do you give that up to God? Maybe we as Christians need to understand that when we pray for the kingdom of God to come and be amongst us, it removes all judgment from us. Because there is not a person who's sitting on our pews. There's not a person who's watching this video. There's not a person who proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of, of their life who's any better than any other person in the world. So we have no judgmental grounds to stand upon. We can't judge one another. You want to know why? Because your life is different than my life. And we're all individuals created by God. And God puts us in places that we can bear witness to where God worked in our lives. God gives us the ability to lead others into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this whole parable is about. The kingdom of heaven is brothers and sisters, particularly in this picture, sisters loving one another to lead us into intimate relationship with Jesus. How many of you have a couple in your mind? I grew up, it's confession time, I grew up with three sisters. Let me say this first. And I got to play with Ken and Barbie. And back in my day, Ken and Barbie were just the ultimate couple. 
I mean, we didn't have their fancy little car and all the, the big houses and things they have, but we had Ken and Barbie, and we would dress them up like bride and groom, or we would bre- dress them up in whatever, and of course I was playing with my sisters when I was doing this, and you know, it was just the epitome to grow up and have a marriage just like Ken and Barbie. Or to grow up and live in a household just like on Leave It to Beaver. Everything was perfect and everything went well. Well, folks, life isn't like that. The story today tells us that the church went out to wait upon the Christ. The bridesmaids went out to wait upon the bridegroom. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five were wise and five were foolish. You know what that tells us about the world of the church? There is deep wisdom rooted in the church. There is deep wisdom rooted amongst God's people. There are Abrahams and Isaacs rooted in today's time. There is deep wisdom. There are Sauls in this world. There are Solomons in this world. There are Rebecca's in this world. There are Ruth's in this world. Deep wisdom that know who God is. Wise. Half of us are wise and half of us, he uses the word foolish. I would say unwise. I would say that church, we have a responsibility as a community to come together. I want you to listen what happened in the story. They all went out together. The church was a community together. The kingdom of heaven is like where you and I can exist in the same place together, loving one another. And when the bridegroom came, when the alert came for the church to be in action, when the alert came for the church to be in action, wisdom prevailed. Because wisdom guided us to take the jar of oil with us and keep our lamps lit how well is your lamp lit during these times from where dost thou draw thy oil do you have your jar with you do you know how to trim your lamp You see, when we come together as the body of Christ and we're waiting to encounter who it is God is in our lives, whether we be in building or in our homes or wherever we are, we have a responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to look out for the others. And oftentimes, the wise bridesmaids get slammed because people say they judged the foolish bridesmaid. That's not true. That's not true at all. What they did was they took what they knew and they shared it with the unwise. They took their wisdom and they gave it away. When we speak about testimony in the church, when we speak about sharing lessons from the Bible in the church, when we talk about growing as a community, it's because the wisdom of the church shares with those who are young and don't know the wisdom yet. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have a responsibility, those who are wise, to share with those who are not so wise. You know what they said? The unwise said, give us what you have. Give us what you have. I want to be as deeply spiritual as you are. Has anybody ever said that to you? Anybody ever said that? Mary and I have done some things where we share our testimony in our marriage. 
Because we, I've shared it with you before, we've been to the bottom of the barrel, God's resurrected us and brought us back to where our marriage is pretty good right now, as long as I behave myself. I mean, I know the limits, right? But people will say, I want a marriage like yours. And we both have one response. It's the hardest thing we've ever done. Growing intimate with the Christ is the hardest thing you'll ever do. But we as people of God have a responsibility to share that wisdom with those who are young in the journey or those who are, who are just getting started in the journey. We have to give. So what the bridesmaids said, they said, you can't, you can't have what we have until you go to this place. We wouldn't be so deeply in love and so rich in our marriage if we hadn't been to the hard places. We wouldn't appreciate the goodness of what we have, the 38 years we've had together, if we hadn't been through the trying times in 13 through 25. You see, if we're willing to guide others to say, hey, right here, you can get to where I am, but you have to go. You have to get on your knees before the cross. And you have to open your heart, all of your heart to God and say, God, here I am. This is who I am. And I need grace and mercy. I need forgiveness for being a judgmental person. I need my oil jar filled up. I need to learn from you what's right in the situation instead of me deciding what's right and then trying to get you to make it right. I need you in this situation. I need you to break down the barriers of my judgment so that I can walk into the future loving others the way you love others. One of the things we happen to do as a church happens in this story. As pertinent it is that we who have wisdom are sharing with those of us who don't have wisdom, the most important thing we can't do is what they did in this one. The church fell asleep. Asleep. Christ is coming. And we don't know when. And church, we cannot fall asleep. We can't lose sight. We're not the judge. We can't lose sight that we're to take our wisdom and share it outside the walls of this church with people who don't even look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't vote like us. They don't talk like us. God doesn't say judge us by all of those things. He says love us in all of those things. You see, Richard Rohr says this. He says, we can't think our way into a new way of living, but we can live our way into a new way of thinking. Let me say that again. We can't think our way into a new way of living, but we can live our way into a new way of thinking. What he means is once we embrace the Christ and we allow God to take over in our lives, we're able to take some wisdom and share it with somebody else. We're able to take some grace and pour it out on somebody else. We're able to offer mercy where we really want to offer judgment. And that God really walks with us in all of those times. And the worst thing we can do, church, is to fall asleep. God never asked us to slumber. God asked to love one another. To love one another. As we have been loved by God. And for us as a church, it's hard to do because, well, we've always done it the other way. Folks, we're living into a new time. And the definition of who church is and what church ministry looks like 
is getting reframed every day. The restrictions that are put on us about where we can go with health and all that kind of stuff, the protocols that are laid in place, church ministry looks a lot different. But the people of the church don't. The followers of the Christ are the same followers of the Christ that were here before the pandemic started. And church, we cannot fall asleep. God is calling us to look for new ways to share the gospel, to cross roads. There's a book I'm going to suggest every one of you read. It's by Bruce Main, M-A-I-N. And the name of the book is Why Jesus Crossed the Road. Reminds me of an old chicken joke, but it's Why Jesus Crossed the Road. And I'm going to tell you it's powerful, powerful stuff. Bruce Main says, the message of Jesus is not for us to live a compartmental life. Our spiritual journey must engage with our real life journey, even if it's in a world that's not so nice. Our spiritual life must engage with the real world, even if it is not so nice. We cannot place spirituality here and our everyday living here. Church, we have to wake up, even in pandemic times. We have to get outside of ourselves, and we have to let ourselves blend our spiritual life with our everyday life. And we have to allow God to move in our everyday life. Well, I have the same routine I always have. I see the same people I always see. I don't have any new... I asked a church one time, I said, how come we're not growing? How come you don't invite your friends to church? Well, all my friends go to this church. My response was go make new friends. But even in this time when we're social mediaing, that's a good word, when we're using social media to broadcast the gospel, social mediaing, are you sharing it with anybody else? I know the answer. Are you just absorbing it for yourself? Are you using all your oil, but you're letting everybody else who you might encounter the big circle that you have? How many thousands of friends do you have in your social media account? And you're not sharing your oil? You're not showing them where to get the oil? Folks, we have to do something different if we're going to allow the message of the gospel to get out into our world today. We cannot fall asleep because we don't know the day or the hour. Her name was Pastor Maria. She serves a little church in North Carolina. And one Sunday she noticed this guy who walked into her church and his britches were halfway down his rear end. He had a baggy t-shirt on and a bandana. And she stood in the aisle after church was over and shook everybody's hand, and she learned that this little bandana child's name was Robin. And Robin's bandana signified that he was a member of a gang, a gang named Toxic, a street skatebanger gang, skateboard people. And she could just hear her congregation all whispering, what's he doing here? Why's he on our side of town? What's he doing here? Why is he on our side of town? Y'all better make sure the offering's taken up. Y'all watch him all the way to the front door, okay? Make sure that he doesn't. Y'all, y'all, 
every week. Every week that Robin would show up in church. Not every, he didn't show up every week. But every week that Robin would show up in church, the whispers came. And people walked a wide circle around Robin. Because Robin carried a skateboard that had profanity written on it. And he wore a gangbanger headband that associated him with gangs that, from the other side of town. Because he was toxic. How appropriately was his gang named? They are toxic. But Maria had compassion. She had a jar full of oil and she wanted to show Robin where that oil was. So one Monday afternoon after the gossips had been so bad and even she had gotten a phone call on Sunday evening from a couple of the church leadership about the young man who was sitting in the pews with baggy pants that hang halfway down his rear end and the headband on that said he was a member of the gang and why was he on their side of town? Monday afternoon she went and found Robin on the other side of town. And she had a five-gallon container full of cherry Kool-Aid. And she set it on the curb at the skate park. And she sat down and handed out Kool-Aid to every human being who was in that skate park that day. And she did that day after day after day, wanting to show these people, wanting to show people who were different than she was, people who were different than the norm of the church, where they could get their oil field. She went back after about a month of doing it every day, and she discovered one day that Robin had died. She didn't know the details, but she made a call to Robin's family. And she learned that Robin had placed a skateboard on layaway at the local Kmart. She went and bought that skateboard. And she brought it to the altar of her church and she laid it down and she went to the skate park and she invited every skater to come into her church. And they had a service for Robin. She even changed the gospel message a little bit that heaven might be a lot like a skate park. That our life as we cruise through our lives is filled with what it's like to ride a skateboard and accidentally hit a rock. And she connected with every skater, every gangbanger who sat in the pews that day as Robin's new skateboard set up on the altar. And she invited every one of them to come up and write something on that skateboard and to speak about Robin. The next month in the board meeting, she proposed that they, on the north lot of their church, that they build a skate park. Because some of Robin's friends had started to show up in church. You know what she heard? From those who were asleep? That's not the way youth has always been. Let's just get a band and let's build a little area and let's, right? We're going to call them Cairo or CYF or what are we going to call them? They're going to go to camp? No, they're going to go to the skate park. She was trying to show the congregation how to share oil with other people in their lives. People who were different than they were. Miraculously, the board passed. And they built the skate park. 
to this day, to this day, this church in North Carolina has gangbangers skating on their skate park. But on their skate park, on their skateboards, are scriptures instead of cuss words. There are testimonies shared on that night about what they went through that week in their lives. And they search the scriptures to learn more about who Jesus is. God doesn't want us to judge others. God wants us to share our oil with those who have no oil. God wants us to guide people to the place at the bottom of the cross. No matter what that cross looks like, if that cross looks like a decorated skateboard where you can come and write a goodbye to your friend and you can encounter the Christ right there because you're grieving somebody's loss, that's what it looks like for a place to go and get your oil. Church, let us not be asleep. Let us be people who understand our mission is to share the love of God with others and that God is the ultimate judge. I challenge you this week, whether it be through social media, whether it be through contact, which I hope is masked with your friends, however it is, I challenge you to find that Robin. To go out, find the bridesmaid who has no oil and guide them to a place. Give them your knowledge. Give them your wisdom. And let the love of Christ shine brightly in your lives. Amen.